everyone, Felice Gerwitz here, and I want to share with you something that is dear to my heart, and that is saving you money. Can you use encouragement for your homeschool journey? Have you been searching for an online learning program designed to ground your family in a Christian worldview? Well, now you can at MediaAngelsMembership.com. Our affordable membership packages fit your budget and busy life. Now you can access customized membership packages for your homeschooling family from the extensive Media Angels Library of Books, classes, and Bible studies. You may select the ebook bundle, the creation bundle, the premium bundle, or the forever bundle. Each bundled set will save you vast amounts of money. Our packages begin at less than $10 and you can use it for the whole family. So go to MediaAngelsMembership.com for more information. That's MediaAngelsMembership.com. You'll be glad you did. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Hey friends and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms. Today I'm going to share with you some back to school tips by a homeschool veteran. Yep, that's me. You can find today's show notes at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com episode 474. Well, in the time that it takes to look at your school calendar, you can either do one of, of many things and that is be excited about getting back to school or saying, where did the summer go? And so I'm going to share with you um, my homeschool tips for, uh, you know, especially the ones that worked well, right? And I'm not going to share ones that didn't. Um, But it really happened over time that I had to look and analyze and say, you know, these are some things that are really um, things I wish I had known as a homeschooler or I wish that I had implemented more of. I want to share with you my website, that's MediaAngels.com, for curriculum, novels, and so much more. And be sure to sign up for our e-zine at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Uh, Click on the sign up link and you will get a free planner every month. Well, I am excited and Um, you know, thinking about when I homeschooled, I'm done with my journey. It ended at 31 years. And when I think back at my homeschool year, I would remember being super excited when I started. And yes, it's okay to be nervous, but let me assure you that you will not ruin your children. If you have a heart for spending time with your kids and you can openly communicate your needs to them and they can talk honestly to you, it will be fine. Recently, I've had um, some of my older kids home and my son, youngest, just graduated from college. And we were talking about some things that had to do with faith. And he was sort of playing devil, devil's advocate, you know, said a couple of things that he knew would set me off. And so we got into this lively debate. And then I realized at one point, 
he wasn't really communicating back. And I said to him, you know, you're not answering anything back. And he said, I'm not saying that I believe anything differently than you do, but you're in your lecture mode and there's no getting a word in. And that really set me back because I could get into my lecture mode and not allow the kids to talk. And so I was kind of irritated at that point in time. But today, um, you know, I, I went up to my son and I said, you know what, I want to ask your forgiveness for not being there and not listening. And he accepted it and said, you know, I just like to have conversation that's two way. And that's something we need to remember with our children. And if you're communicating with your kids, no matter what age they are, then you're going to be okay. Whenever I've listened to a podcast or a talk on the topic of homeschooling or giving me back to school tips, I would often walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't do that, or I can't be that creative, or I am nowhere near that accomplished as that amazing mom speaker is. One time I went to a homeschool conference and listened to a mom who talked about teaching American history, then proceeded to parade her kids out on stage with matching period costumes, I kid you not. My mom was an amazing seamstress, but I could not sew, and I still can't sew. I'm a hot glue woman, or I'm a crafty person, or I like to paint, but there's no way I can get to the sewing machine and make period costumes or even teach my kids to sew. Well, can you imagine how I felt when I left that talk? Years later, when I joined the homeschool speaking circuit and spoke at conference with this lady, I had to tell her about that time. And she kind of looked at me and said, but I'd love to sew. I told you all that, you know, work with your strengths. And, you know, she said it was just natural for me and it took no time. And I said, no, 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 I'm not criticizing. What I'm saying is that we look at things sometimes with a different perspective I, you know, from looking at it years later, and I was kind of teasing her about it, but, um, you know, she took it more as a critique. And I learned something about this lovely woman, that she was not a super mom. She just loved to sew, and that was something that was easy for her. It's like me teaching the grandkids to paint or my kids to paint. I've had, you know, anywhere from, you know, two little kids all the way up from, you know, a two-year-old to a 15-year-old at a table painting, and I walk around and I help them, somebody else would probably be freaking out with that. For me, it's fun. So what we learned from that lesson is that this mom, yes, has a talent. Her talent was sewing. She was able to help her kids sew period costumes. And what did she do? She fitted into her homeschool, you know, class, which was perfect, as well as being able to teach them a skill. So why am I telling you all this? Because it brings me to one of the most important points that I hope you learn today. Work within your strengths, within your ability, within your wheelhouse. What are some talents that you can bring to the table? Are you good at art? Is music your thing? Are you a sports advocate? Do you like history, math, science? What is it that you enjoy doing or teaching? Take this into consideration when you are planning your home school. Again, for the mom who loves sewing, teaching kids to sew and make historical costumes as well as then creating a play and doing all kinds of things really helped those children understand the colonial period of time that she was teaching beautifully in a way that was different than if these kids were in school. Which brings me to my back to school tips. Do not do the following. Number one, duplicate the public or private school at home. 
Sure, you can use textbooks and workbooks, um, but if you do that, you are going to be burned out sooner than later. If you're starting out homeschooling, by all means, do whatever is the easiest thing to get your feet wet. But after that, look at some other options. The second is do not set yourself up for failure by over planning. There's only so much time in the day. You do not have to do every single subject every single day. There are so many um, good things out there that can help you with homeschool uh, planning of your curriculum. I think um, actually I'm going to make myself a note here uh, to find it. I think I have one that I did with my daughter, uh, Christina. She's an expert at planning out her year. And uh, she did a really good job with that with a lot of different age children. The third is teach. Um, If you try to teach over your child's attention span, it is not going to work. So sometimes we teach things that we can grasp very quickly, but they're not going to be able to and or they're going to space out and not pay any attention. So I remember one time I was uh, trying to explain biology in the cell. So I gave the kids that year a notebook that had blank pages. Remember, I told you I liked art. So it was like a drawing book. And so as I was explaining things and drawing it on the board, and yes, it was in their book. But if you look at the picture and, and, you know, fill in the diagram, it's not the same as drawing that diagram. So I had them draw it and use colored pencils and color it in as I was labeling it on the board. And that was so much better. But then I had the kids close their book and I said, can you tell me what a single cell animal is? And they, you know, one of my kids couldn't. And he said, well, you didn't cover that. So I was able to have him open his book and look at it. Obviously, he was one of the younger ones and was not able to grasp it and wasn't paying attention. So make sure that you check um, back when you're working on some things and make sure it's not over their, you know, uh, their ability or their attention span. The fourth is to talk too much and lecture only. Um, I would catch myself doing this because I could get off on tangents very easily and the kids would always pull me back. The fifth is not to allow your child to participate in discussions. Um, This happens. You just want to get done and you cannot have them discussing. So say to them, let me just teach you this part and then we can talk about it. Um, If you're teaching multi-age children, some of them may just want to go ahead and get started and you can have that discussion with one or two kids, um, whoever wants to ask you a bunch of questions. The sixth is not to ask the kids enough questions. I live my life asking questions. So for me, this was not a hard thing. But I know many times, for example, when we did that little drawing and I had to say to my kids, you know, ask a few questions, I could find out that that they had not, you know, gotten enough of looking at that picture, finishing coloring it in, in order to be able to answer my questions. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't asked questions. The seventh is no checks and balances. I did a podcast. um, Actually, it was a teaching. It was beginning of the year checklist, middle of the year, and end of the year. And if you don't have checks and balances, taking the time to look at how you're doing, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to say at the end of the year, oh my gosh, we didn't accomplish anything. You did accomplish stuff, but it feels like you didn't. So make sure that you have some checks and balances where you're stopping, taking a breath, and um, taking a look at how you're doing. The eighth is not to schedule time off. Again, guilty as charged. Um, I would have friends who would take a week off, 
you know, randomly um, in, you know, whatever month and plan and let their kids, you know, do all these fun things. And it was like, oh, we're having vacation time, but it's a staycation. And, you know, I'm going to work on planning and getting stuff done. And then you guys are going to do, you know, whatever she had planned for them. And the kids were excited. They were looking forward to their week and the mom was getting lots done. I always felt like I had to plan it on my time off. But if the kids know, like some, some years they didn't even know when we were going to take Christmas break and they can't get excited about it or work harder to get things done if they don't know. So make sure it's scheduled. The ninth is no field trips. Yes, I know field trips can be expensive. They can be a waste of time. Um, but some of the field trips are so great and my kids still talk about that and it's so wonderful. And the 10th is no extracurricular activities. If you are homeschooling, that is something that is important within your budget, even if it means a park day and getting together with friends, um, even if it means trading off with another homeschool mom that can teach your kids art um, while you teach their their children music. You know, try to find ways to do some of these things and look over this list and add to it and uh, the reverse is as follows, and I'm going to go through uh, more back to school tips. Again, all of this is on the show notes page at Vintage Homeschool Moms, episode 474. So if you use textbooks, use them as a starting point or a supplement. Map out the chapters that you're going to complete during the school year and see if you're going to be able to do it in time. Um, make sure that you have time off planned. The second is set a realistic schedule with the time frame of your school year, including the time that school starts and ends. Let your children know. Have a year's calendar. You can print these off very easily that are blank. Uh, put holes in them and put them in a notebook or give the kids a calendar that they can write in and then have them, you know, put these things in. You can use pencil in case something changes, but it's nice to have. The third is teach younger children in bite-sized portions. For example, teach math with manipulatives and spend the time necessary to master the skill before you move on. That is so much better than sporadically covering a bunch of stuff. For example, when the kids were um, having a little bit of a hard time doing some math, I took 20 sheets of paper and, um, you know, just like regular copy paper, and I wrote the numbers one through 20, one on each piece of paper. And then I had the kids take out their math book. And for example, if they were adding four plus five, I had them stand on the four, count up five, and they would land on a nine. And then they could write that answer on their paper. And they were really excited. I couldn't do this all the time, you know, but when I could do little things like, um, you know, manipulatives, it really helped the children tremendously. The fourth is keep lectures at a minimum. That may not be your problem, but that was mine. And you can answer questions and go from there. Um, again, if kids are uh, asking a lot of questions and you're not getting um, your lesson taught, start with, you know, teaching a segment of it and then stopping and answering some questions they may have. The fifth is allow your child to participate in discussions. Again, the reverse of the last one. And the sixth is to be sure to ask questions. And if they can't answer them, then give them time to research. That was something they enjoyed doing. It might not be right then, but it would be something they could do after you were done with your lesson. 
Uh, the seventh is to be sure the children are getting assignments completed by checking their work and having them check on each other's work. If the kids are not going to check, um, you know, if, well, if the kids know that you're not going to check their math assignments, then they are going to slack off. And believe me, I know this for a fact. The eighth is to schedule time off and let the kids know, make sure that they put it on their schedule and then plan field trips and of course, extracurricular activities. So I already covered this a little bit, but I wanted to give you a list of, um, you know, the things that are the positives of what you should do. I heard a mom share that her well-behaved high school student did not get the majority of his schoolwork finished because he knew she wouldn't check on it. And when she finally did, she was appalled, so much so that it delayed his entrance to college by one year. It was a combination of the perfect storm. She had some little ones that took a majority of her time, some elderly parents that were ill, and um, she just thought he was doing his work. And when he didn't um, complete it, you know, he had to uh, basically redo some of his schoolwork. And so, you know, you don't want to get in that situation um, and you want to avoid those types of issues by having your children just get in the habit again. um, Habits are wonderful. Once you do them often enough, it becomes second nature and just let them get in the habit of showing their work to you and, you know, taking some time to check them. Now, that was a story of a friend of mine, but this is um, my own personal story. And one of my uh, sons felt that he didn't learn enough with his Algebra 2 curriculum. And um, we he had actually taken the course um, at a local college. And so he felt like, you know, he didn't know enough. Plus, they didn't finish the book uh, during the course um, of the school year. And so it turned out that uh, we were able to order a book and he wanted just to learn about trig. So we ordered a book during the summer and he worked through those lessons before his first year of college. And he did really well in college. He graduated this past year's uh, cum laude. But if I had been homeschooling him, one of the things we would have done was looked at that book. And if he felt like it wasn't um, a good book, we probably would have ordered another one. Uh, something we couldn't do when he was taking the course somewhere else. So as long as you have open communication and you're checking in with your children, no matter what their age is, um, it will be beneficial so that you can keep on top of things. You know, will every child like every buck? No, of course not. But we have to be willing to look and find another solution in case something doesn't work. In other words, don't be married to a particular book or curriculum. Uh, One year at a conference, the parents were looking for a flexible science curriculum for their multi-age children, and they came by my booth. And my curriculum is a hands-on creation science-based series of books. And there's four books. There's creation science, creation anatomy, creation astronomy, and creation geology. The parents were both science majors, and they had very high expectations for their homeschool But they realized with three children under the sixth grade and a baby that the options for textbooks were just going to be putting their kids in three different grade levels. So the parents, you know, scoured the convention hall. And at the very end, they came back and they purchased all four study guides plus the activity packs. And then I saw them the next year, which is always really fun. And they reported that it went extremely well. 
and it gave their children a chance to study additional topics and added some field trips and so forth. And, you know, unit studies don't work for every family, but they're beneficial when you're homeschooling various age children on different levels. So you may want to take a look at that. Remember, at the start of the broadcast, um, I asked you um, what your gifts are, like what are your talents? And they're not going to be wasted in a homeschool setting because these are things that you can use as well as asking other homeschool parents uh, that you may meet what their skill set is. One year we needed a degreed science to sign off on a county level science fair project entries. And we had registered nurses, two doctors, and one dad with two science degrees. And so even in a small community of homeschool parents, we were all set. We also had built-in judges for the homeschool science fair. We had plays, art fairs, history and science fairs, sporting events, field days, beach science trips, nature center field trips, and so much more, all within our homeschool community and pooling our resources. You will be amazed at how much you can accomplish just asking your homeschool moms and dads to participate as well. Well, friends, take care. Have a blessed day. I hope that these back-to-school tips are helpful to you. Uh, You can find the show notes again at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com, episode 474. God bless, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.